Hi everybody, Mike here, founder of Talk About It Mate. This is season two, episode five of the podcast, and we're really getting through the episodes now. I like, like this one. It was a really good chat with Emily Edwins. Um, she is an occupational therapist. She attended uh, Talk About It Mate about two years ago. Um, stayed in contact through social media since, and it's great to see the work that she's doing. And Empowered is her new her new business venture uh, but she brings a wealth of knowledge approaches to mental health and she balances it between somebody who's got their own personal experiences and someone who's got the expertise and training to be able to provide people with the right information and tools to make significant differences in their own mental health so I think she's a fantastic guest I'll also attach on or, or release online in, in conjunction with this is a, a kind of guided meditation thing that Emily's done. Uh, she's a great person to listen to and I, I would encourage you all to follow her and I'll put all the details in the bio of this episode. So I really hope you enjoy season two, episode five of the Talk About Mate podcast all about self-help. Welcome to um, season two, episode five of the Talk About It Mate podcast. And uh, we're on a bit of a podcast blitz at the moment and getting some really good content out there and feel very motivated. So it's really, uh, makes me feel really happy to have our next guest on. And our next guest is Emily Edwins. And she's somebody who I met about two years ago at a meetup for Talk About It Mate. And I've followed her journey since, and it'd be really good to bring her in and say hello. So, hello, Emily. Hi, Mike. Um, so, yeah, um, I can echo that. Uh, I have also followed your journey at a distance over the past couple of years, which has been an absolute delight um, because, yeah, as you say, I came along to one of the very early Talk About It meetups. Um, I'm still in contact with a couple of the people that I actually got to know from the meetup group. And so although um, at that point in time, I wasn't necessarily in the best place with my own mental health and well-being, um, those connections and relationships that I formed then, uh, it's really lovely and I feel very grateful for because uh, being in a, I suppose, more place of wellness at this point in time, it's nice to be able to share the things that I have done to reach that state of wellness with the people around me and the people I maintain those relationships with. So it's awesome to be here recording this with you, Mike. Yeah, it's great. And, and that's it. When you reconnect with somebody after a long time, and like you said, you, you were, weren't at the best place with your own mental health then, but it's everybody's on their own journey. And we peer support can help at any point during the journey, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Because for me, um, at that point in time, um, I think my awareness of my own situation, um, it's, it always feels so much worse and so much more intense internally for anyone experiencing those kinds of struggles with anxiety and low mood. And, you know, um, a lot of people probably would have looked at me in, at the time and not necessarily been able to identify just what a difficult place I was going through. And so, you know, it was a, a beautiful thing for me to be able to grab a coffee with people and 
externally appear very normal and whatever normal is but you know functioning and you know engaging things that are just considered everyday occupations um you know and, and not feel out of place but at the same time be able to share some of my own more personal experiences with people that had a real understanding um, but i think equally people who weren't there to try and help me or advise me or give me something or take something from me you know it was completely non-transactional you know it's just holding space for people that's a really nice description and i'll, I'll definitely be taking that from the recording and using that uh, <laughs> uh, yeah because people always ask me what is peer support and i think it's a description for something that makes it sound more complicated than it actually is like you know what what you'd hope friendship would give you or what you'd hope relationships would give you is peer support however like you said before there's um an expectation sometimes with friends and family isn't there whereas they they want to rescue you or they want to help you and they rally around but often that can tell they can tell you what to do or giving you too much advice and it takes away the sense of self doesn't it Mm -hmm. I think also it's um, we have to accept that in those scenarios, these people will struggle to be more objective with us because of the emotion that they have and the care and the love, you know. Um, and so in some senses, um, for me, it was it was a nice experience, daunting and really scary, but a nice experience to be able to chat openly and honestly with people who hadn't known me since I was four year old and in nappies, you know. Um, and just took me at face value, you know, um, wanted to get to know me as I was in that moment. How often does that happen in our lives? Like, I, it's a very precious moment. Like, I, I think back to when I was in London and the first, I think it was a confidence and self-esteem meetup that I went to in London. I didn't know anyone and I went in there and, and, and started speaking. And it, just like you said, nobody knew about me and what the baggage, the emotional baggage I was carrying around. And, and how often do you get that in relationships, you know, because even with colleagues at work, it's a work, it's a work relationship. So you have yeah. that barrier. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of the time, those barriers that we put up, they're completely subconscious. We don't even realize that we're doing it. And I think um, what has been really important and enlightening for me personally, um, working through some of the issues that I faced is, is, is recognizing that um, I don't necessarily have to be anything. I, I don't have to respond to those internal expectations that I believe are there. Um, and that actually I'm my most true and successful and happy and productive self when I stop responding to those internal kind of shoulds, woulds, cans, should be, you know, all of that kind of internal monologue that you have. Um, you know, the more I've been able to, to quieten that and, and, and develop a sense of just trust in my own journey and allow things to unfold naturally, but also fall into a space of vulnerability. Um, because I think that's something that I definitely, you know, leaning on peers and, 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 and going down maybe less formal methods of um, trying to cope with mental health struggles um, has, has brought me around to a way of thinking that, you know, we can, um, we can trust ourselves. You know, in that moment, we feel very out of control. And so you're looking for someone to come in and provide that structure and guidance. Um, and sometimes that's really necessary. You know, this is not me discouraging people from 
seeking formal support by any means, but also, you know, recognize, encouraging people to recognize that there is value in, in being in a safe and supported space, but not necessarily feeling the need for somebody to come in and do something for you, you know, and that what comes as a result of that is um, an increasing sense, a, a development of autonomy, you know, and self-trust and self-belief. And, and that's a slow process, a very slow process, but it, but it comes with knowing that you are safe and secure and that the people that you're interacting with, whether it be about your vulnerabilities or not, are going to continue to hold that space of safety and security for you and just allow you to come to those moments of realization in your own time. Um, you know, and, and that's a real difference, I suppose, because formal mental health services can't do that. They can't allow indefinite time. <laughs> they have to say 12 sessions. They have to say six sessions. They have to say three 30 minute sessions, you know, because it, you know, it's how it's delivered is completely different. You know, but then there are also great limitations in that being the case because we're all individuals and we've all had very different experiences. And who's to say that we can unpack our issues and, 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 and work through those things and, and develop and grow and change in, in six hours? over 12 yeah, it's weeks tough. it's tough like i've heard people you know people say slagging off services and, and you know and saying like you know six sessions 12 sessions and, and that's it like but i always say those services are the people are there for the people who need them most mm. so what peer support does and, and I, I think you alluded to it there it's undervalued as a support service because often it's voluntary organization so people do it out of the goodness of their own heart or organizations that rely on funding um and they're catching people, I say, in the middle ground. And the middle ground, as we always know, is a bigger group of people, bigger catchment area. But, and that's where early intervention can really take hold and have a positive effect on people's lives. Mm. I mean, I definitely, um, I, I kind of have a, a little bit of a grey area of experience because I, um, I've done work outside of my formal uh, job um, with community organizations, yoga, meditation, you know, peer support. Yeah. Um, and then I've also, and, and, and remain still working in, in a third sector organization, but one which fulfills NHS mental health contracts. Um, and so, you know, that has created quite an internal, um, you know, conflict for me because, yeah. you know, um, I recognize the need the services to be flexible and adaptive to meet people's needs but also the the barriers in them being able to to do that um, and sadly most of the time that comes down to the money um, but you're very right in terms of peer support being undervalued because actually if we look at it in terms of uh, you know people experiencing a certain severity of symptom quite often people have already reached a point where they can no longer cope before they uh, go to their GP or before they tell a friend and, you know, make a referral for some formal support. And that's, you know, completely normal and is very much influenced by still the massive stigma that there is about mental health and having mental health issues. Um, but also the lack of um, kind of knowledge that, you know, um, 
the mass population have about just how hand in hand our physical and mental health needs go um you know that you don't have one without the other you know um and even in you know my formal you know everyday job i am you know constantly having conversations with people you know clients specifically you know explaining what mental health is you know that nobody is insulting them if they're asking are you struggling to keep up with your washing and do your dishes and you know that actually that is indicative of those struggles and their normal human experiences but because you know naturally our society is has built itself up in a way that you know we're kind of now all conditioned to believe that if you're not able to function and you're not able to hold down a job you're absolutely worthless you know um and and it's nonsense you know it's dangerous nonsense um but unfortunately you know a lot of people um are affected either on a conscious level by those messages or on a very unconscious level you know um because uh, we've all grown up in the UK um, maybe there's people listening to the podcast that aren't in the UK but for the most well, part people come in to talk about it mate yeah. you know we will have reached the ages that we are functioning in a society falling into habitual patterns of behavior and understanding yeah. you know and and until you kind of ask somebody okay let's pick apart why you feel that way why you're embarrassed yeah you know actually you know uh, and, and and you know i suppose it's holding that safe space for these uh, informal open conversations you know reflective conversations to take yes. as and when appropriate you know and then yeah. i don't know talking about how good the cakes are in nero when it's not appropriate and that's it that leads it nicely back to where we were it brings people together that's it. your wealth of knowledge combined with obviously i've not got as much wealth of knowledge but i've definitely got a can-do attitude towards getting things done in peer support i think that's one of my biggest strengths but uh then we then like say two years we'll go on our separate journeys and mm -hmm. that like almost fill us in on your journey then from that day two years ago to where we are now because i've seen how much you've done yeah so um it's nice actually because i think naturally uh both you and i and most people who struggle with their mental health really really find it difficult to acknowledge their own ach achievements so first of all i'm going to call you out on saying you've not got a big wealth of knowledge because that lived experience is yeah. your wealth of knowledge yes. um you know and that is as valuable um i said before we started the podcast as any kind of academic training you know yeah. in terms of developing understanding because on the flip side as somebody with a degree in occupational therapy um, and working as a qualified health professional still was not able to quite take care of myself my own physical health my own mental health needs yeah. um, as well as I was able to do that for other people you know and that was with five years training um, so, so, you know, um, that has been kind of the beginning of my journey was, you know, I've always been somebody who's been inclined to uh, care for others and take care of others, um, but also want to help develop those capabilities in other people, because I do believe in enabling people to better take care of themselves rather than having what, you know, the government might describe as a nanny state you know of a lot of, of a population of people being cared for because i believe you know we get a certain feeling of of empowerment when we are 
able to develop skills to better look after ourselves. Yes. Um, so yeah, so I worked as an OT for a while in uh, mental health settings and uh, in acute settings out in the community. Um, and then naturally, um, as a result of my own experiences, um, some slightly traumatic experience and then, you know, um, interpersonal problems, you know, uh, uh, an accident involving uh, my mom you know um, there were various stresses that happened in my life at that point in time that led me to having um, a nervous breakdown um, and then unfortunately had some quite um, uh, damaging interactions with an occupational health nurse without very much awareness of how in mental health issues impact somebody which kind of deepened my struggle with it at that point in time um, and then you know began a journey of therapy um, became a therapy advocate you know um, <laughs> and, I, and I do you know I, I actually now when I talk about therapy don't talk about it being something that people should engage with if they're struggling with a mental health issue but simply something that people should engage with yeah. Um, because you know it's a tool of self-reflection and self-analysis and You're delving into your life you look at the state attitude in america of like people just pay somebody because they want to get things off their chest but yes. then you know if you're holding emotion in your chest then you know like getting it out you sometimes just want to scream but like you know there's a lot of people out there who are working i think that could build therapy into their schedule and one one thing i'd like to do is talk about me in the future once i'm qualified is maybe getting at like gyms and stuff because I think we're making a good name for ourselves in men's mental health. Definitely. And it's this idea of fitness, not just being body, but, but for your mind and, and attitudes to therapy are massive. And I always say to the therapists or the people like my mentors, I'm not taking business off anybody else because we're creating new business. Yes, absolutely. That's, that's really true, actually, because I think there's... Um, there's a lot to be said about how we have these conversations, which is great because that's why peer support is as informal as it is. Um, and that's something that I really identify as an OT because a lot of the things that we will look at is how we can grade information, how we deliver information, how much information we give to people at any given point in time. You know, the language used um, in terms of facilitating people's understanding of it. Um, and and we, I've done quite a lot of that in, in my work with uh, B&Do and the Yoga Life Project. So these are the schools that are, are run uh, by my, well, my friend, uh, Mick Timpson, but also my mentor and teacher. Um, and I have completed in the past couple of years for my own benefit, but also continuing professional development, um, both his uh, yoga teacher training course and modern meditation teacher training course um, and in doing so I've really been able to um, draw I suppose similarities between ancient holistic well-being and then that of being person-centered um, and holistic and individualistic in our approach to mental health and physical health um, and, and so that's been really delightful for me because the work that I hope to do once Empower launches is going to bring those kinds of two, two worlds together, you know, um, and yeah. come at it from an integrative approach. Um, and I hope that, 
you know, um, we will be able to, uh, between talk about it, mate, and empower, yeah. really, you know, work to kind of spread the word and, and, and also, you know, make those services more accessible to people, you know, that might not necessarily be aware that they exist yet. This is a nice link here. I think I always see yourself using this word recently as like a conduit. Like I'm very, I don't know, someone described me like an everyman. Like I'm not like particularly rich. I'm not particularly, you know, like I'm not very middle class, I'm not very, very working class. And I don't know where to fall in, in these brackets. And that's an existential thing for me. But what I am good at is bringing people together and pointing people in the right directions. Like we, we, we never know um we're always better at giving advice to other people than than we are helping ourselves and for me like i've tried yoga i've tried pilates but i've also sent more people to do that you know and, and i did a podcast yesterday with a, a lady from my counseling course who does meditation and she's going to try out 10 minutes with our men's group next wednesday and Brilliant. that's what all we're doing is like pointing people in the right direction because I what I am is open-minded and I'm good at networking and connecting people so if that's my skill then I've used it for the benefit of a lot of people's mental health absolutely definitely and I suppose that's that is I mean that signposting in itself is another way in which um talk about it may uh, uh operating in a person-centered way you know because actually you're not saying you know I'm here and I've got the answers for everyone but you're just saying, come here, let's hold some space, let's listen, you know, let's not just listen, but let me actively hear what it is that you need. And, and if I have an awareness of anything that may help, you know, I will share that with you, um, which I think um, is a slightly different approach than, than a lot of um, people might find in, in the very thriving well-being industry at the moment, which yes. seems to be full of people wanting to fix um, and give you a cure and and give you a solution. You can um, see why it sells, can't you? Know that's the thing. People are thinking about. I want a ready-made solution. I want to look like them. I want to be like them. Like, and that, that, that's it. I just find some of the stuff very disingenuous, and not just me as a person. I've I've always been able to see through things, mm -hmm. but. Um, Going on to the theme, the theme of self-help, you mentioned holding space and people being listened to, you know, being heard. And, and, and you can see the weight lifted on from people once they've just spoken and they've, they've been heard. And then it moves into the area of self-help. Like how can, you know, the time posting is one way, but how can they begin to help themselves? So this is, I think, where your, your input, your advice is actually wanted because you are a health professional and you do kind of have access to a wealth of materials. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think for me, um, definitely because I've trained in occupational therapy, which is a relatively new uh, job role, um, when you think about it comparatively to nursing, which has been around for centuries. Um, OT has existed since the 70s and 80s. So it's very new um, in its approach and, and in terms of um, it being an acceptable intervention within the medical world as well. You know, it's now the, I suppose, the most holistic of the accepted evidence-based uh, professions within the medical world. Um, and so um, I, I have been able to see, you know, the resistance to uh, that holism 
even from you know uh, other people in the uh, health and social care world um, you know we are known as glorified basket weavers um, however we would argue that there is great capacity for fine motor skills to be developed during basket weaving yeah. if you do it as a group you can develop social network and interpersonal skills you know so so actually let's look at the bigger picture I think is where yeah. I is where I uh, come at it from and 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 yeah I do you know have have access to a lot of resources um, but again um, the starting point is the person not the resources and not the condition but the person absolutely i think people hide behind that often with cbt i think like i've had it myself you get out what you put in the resources are amazing but you're the tool that's going to pull it off absolutely and i can only speak from personal experience but i'd had cbt a few years back and it definitely helped me um function because at the time i had a nervous breakdown and wasn't doing that um, however, what it didn't help me do was pick apart the underlying reasons for having the nervous breakdown in the first place. It enabled me to start functioning again, which unfortunately meant that for me at that time, it helps me continue to mask the underlying emotional things that were going on. And I wasn't necessarily aware that I was doing those things until at a later date, you know, um, there were events in my life that meant that those things arose to the surface you yeah. know and and that's something that i definitely think was um uh, a process of me not only continuing to engage in therapy and self-growth but in in things like um you know, attending meetups and going to my yoga classes and developing friendships with different you know circles of people through examining different interests that i had at the time and the things that were keeping me well um, you know, so it's not, you know, my own experience is that it's not a one size fits all approach because that would be impossible and you'd be, you know, really unsuccessful if that's the approach that you take, you know, and, and so, you know, speaking from experience, um, you know, it, it took a multitude of things to assist me in getting where I am, but then also to a point where I recognize I'm not there yet and I won't ever be there. And that that is a continual process of growth and change and learning and understanding. Um, but that actually there's a great deal of um, courage and connection to be found in being vulnerable. That's really nice. Courage, compassion, connection. Oh, did I, ne I knew I'd heard that <laughs> somewhere, Mike. But it, your journey mirrors my journey so much. I completely agree with you with the CBT. I think I needed it at that time. I also had a nervous breakdown. It was a sticking plaster for me almost. And it helped me through a difficult transition period. And I'm very grateful. In fact, I still access some of those materials nowadays, especially around unhelpful thinking patterns mm -hmm. and finding evidence, thought record sheet, things like that I will always advocate for because that's amazing. But it wasn't until I actually had a bit of a relapse you know, which cost me friends and relationships in my life because mm -hmm. I hadn't addressed the underlying concepts and concerns. And it wasn't until I discovered, I'm about my fourth counsellor, proper person-centred therapy and really engaging that at the right time of my life yeah. that everything fell into place. And obviously a lot of people know my journey and the, the weight loss and meeting mm -hmm. a nice person and, and, and setting up, talk about it properly. 
Go and Laura. Exactly, yeah. She, she's had a shower now. She might see her in a bit. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, that's what you said to me. I think being a media, I have to say I, that I know, I know that feeling and mm. I know what you're advocating here because it does come down to yourself and making yourself the, your passion and yourself your project because people feel guilty for that. Yeah, absolutely. Recognising that there's no selfish behaviour in self-care, um, which ironically, self-care is a huge concept in OT, but I was terribly bad at taking care of myself. You know, my attention was fixed outwards all of the time, which yeah. meant that I subconsciously suppressed my own emotional needs, responses, you know, would have moments of great emotional outburst um, and be completely um unaware as as to why things were so bad and got so intense so quickly you know um but i think it's also important um that you called me on the compassion part because what i'm going to say next is we we just operate from where we are at any given moment with the with, you know with the tools that we have at that moment in time mm -hmm. so so also what's been part of my process has been not berating myself that I hadn't got here sooner. Yeah. You know, so because actually where I am has taken every single one of those stumble trips and falls to get to, you know, and, and I don't feel adverse to falling again because of that. Are we related? Because it's like <laughs> the same things that I, I say, honestly, like it's great to connect. Uh, no, it, that is so powerful when you say that, like, like yeah, I get I get scared and 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 I know there's gonna be slip ups, but I, I am willing to accept them now because we yeah, we've come further. This has come further. I've come further than I ever thought was possible. Yeah. You know, so it, it's new ground now. Who can predict what will happen? And, and I'm sure with your own venture, I think you're exactly the kind of person to do it on your own. And because you've got lived experiences, because you've got wealth of knowledge like myself that we can be doing that and who else should be doing it? It's always like, oh, well, someone else is better. Someone else is better. But are they? It's not about being the best. Yeah, it's just about acknowledging, you know, our strengths, um, our shared vulnerabilities. Yeah. You know, um, there's a lot of courage in that as well, I think. Um, you know, we've come to believe that being, um, how is this happening? Hang on. Oh, hi. Mika, you're on the wrong, um, you're on the wrong Hello. meeting. Hi, Mike. <laughs> you're not, Mika, you're in a podcast, by the way. Hi, this Mika. Has to be dropped out. Welcome okay. to the podcast. Have I, you... I message you. It's for the meditation. I just joined for the meditation, but I'll message you. Oh, right. Okay. It's at 12 o'clock, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, just put it earlier so to be ready, but... Yeah, we'll finish. Bye, bye. That's okay. We'll leave, we'll leave it in. I think it adds to the, the history of the podcast. I don't know. Stay put. We're going to finish now, Mika. I was going to say, you are going to record something. Oh, thank God. Yeah, you are going to record uh, some kind of meditation for us, and I'll post that separately. But um, just to end on, a lot of people have a perception of things like in the holistic world, mm -hmm. like yoga, meditation. And all those things, and I like your, you like I, I I know yoga teachers and Pilates teachers, and the ones that I work with, they're very refreshing. Mm -hmm. Not it's not 
I don't know, happy clappy, my friend says. Okay, yes. You know, like, it's not that I'm against that. I've read book about, books about Buddhists and all that. But I like your refreshing nature, so maybe that'd be a good way to end on absolutely yeah i mean i i came to yoga came to meditation uh very unwell very unhealthy um when people look at me and ask me what i do and i say oh i teach a bit of yoga mike they look me up and down and say of course you do and i immediately say yes but when i started i was obese i was depressed i was anxious i was unhappy you know um so you know don't make a judgment you know uh, be open-minded. Um, I, I, I'm constantly telling people I'm not an Instagram yogi. I actually am quite adverse to using social media. I don't like seeing pictures of myself and I certainly don't like taking them. Um, yeah. so, um, so I, I'm trying to, I suppose, explain yoga and, and meditation, both in terms of its value because of its scientific evidence base yes. and the links to OT um, and mental health and physical health. But then also from a perspective of what the Western world has done to it is criminal. Um, yeah. You know, I'm all for different approaches and people, you know, um, adapting things and, and you know finding new and creative ways of doing things but I think that the ego has taken hold far too much and that's just my humble opinion I suppose yes yeah. um, but I know that when I started yoga I was very fixated on getting a perfect downward dog <laughs> or yeah. you know and, and would really strain and then would come out of the class and find that I would berate myself you know and or I would spend the whole hour and a half looking around the class to see who was better at me at it than I was you know it takes um, time doesn't it yoga it takes definitely. time and it's so difficult as well from a man that's point of view strength and flexibility I've struggled with yoga yeah and it but that's the thing you know it's a practice and that's yes. the word that I, I like to use and yoga and meditation the same they're there to be used and to be practiced you can't yeah. be an expert or a winner in yoga you know you can have practiced it for longer um but there's no levels you yeah. know there's nothing to achieve. Um, and a really big thing that um, I uh, internalized during my yoga teacher training and um, my yoga teacher um, will admit that was, uh, was a real struggle for me for a long time was the premise of effortless effort. Mm, nice. um, and if you ponder on that, you know, you'll either find that you get a headache or, you know, you'll actually realize that it makes a great deal of sense, you know, our effort is just in being, yeah. being human and coping with everything that this world presents us with, you know, requires effort, you know, um, but actually it's our resistance to that and our ego telling us to achieve and do more and expect more that provides uh, the elements of suffering, you know, so the idea of resting in effortless effort for me, um, internalizing that message was, you know, a, a turning point. Um, and I suppose that's what I try and encourage in all of my meditation and yoga is, you know, non-attachment to the outcomes or expectations, just be there and be present with what is. And I suppose that really well translates into peer support groups, doesn't it? Amazing, and that's it. I'm so proud that we know you, we know each other, and going forward. And thank you for all the resources you've shared with me, played a part in my process. Welcome. And 
this has been really good. Like, I've really enjoyed it. And, and I loved the bit when that lady came in. I think we should totally just leave that in. Because that was my colleague from Self Help Services, Mental Health Services. She's well, wonderful. All your links and things, share them. And obviously, you're in that Facebook group. Please feel free to share anything in there. Absolutely. Uh, and I'm sure the people from Talk By Mate will find out a lot more about what you're doing going forward. So, Self Help, Emily Edwins, and what's the name Empower. of your Power. Our health and well-being community interest company. Eek! Right. Take care. Have, have Thank a great you, day. Mike. You too. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye. Really hope you enjoyed that episode. Uh, it was a great chat, and I really enjoyed the, the lady who just came into the Zoom halfway through the episode. Uh, for a, she was early for her meditation class with Emily. I thought that was quite good. So I hope uh, by leaving that in, you enjoyed that. Uh, also, like I mentioned at the beginning, um, Emily has uh, kindly made a guided body scan recording. It's about twenty minutes long, and that's especially for people in the talk by make community. So I'm going to find a way to get that out there um, as a separate recording. And uh, I really hope that you you really enjoyed that. And remember, you can interact with Emily through as she is a member of our talk space on Facebook, and she's just got so many good resources uh, and a really good story to tell. She's just dead down to earth, nice lady. And uh, yeah, I hope that we can work together going forward. So I really hope you enjoyed that episode that was number five in this series